you know, it's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of times I hear it's the start of summer or it's a time to barbecue, or, uh, but man, we would be remiss if we didn't thank the Lord for a great country and the men and women who have served it, and there's many men and women who have paid the highest sacrifice that you can give, which is the giving of your life for other people. Uh, before I pray, because I do want to take a moment, you know, Romans 13 reminds us we're to pray for our country, pray for our leaders. Uh, before I do, is there anybody uh, in this room who has lost a loved one in service to this country? Uh, maybe just slip your hand up. Yeah, we want to thank you. Maybe thank you very much. That's amazing, incredible. Maybe a friend, a family member. Um, and thank you all. Uh, I'm sure you, today is a uh, tough day of memory. And, uh, and so let's do this, church. Okay, let's take a moment uh, in this weekend where we're about to grill out and do all the fun stuff. And let's bow our heads. Let's thank God for our country. Um, and thank God for the men and women who have given their lives in service. Let's pray. Um, what an awesome privilege, Heavenly Father, to enter into your presence and bring some requests and bring some prayers. And so we enter into your presence in the only name in which we can enter your presence, which is the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we enter into your presence, God, and we give you thanksgiving for this country that we live in, God. We are grateful. We are mindful that it has been blessed. And those blessings come from heaven, God. And we Thank you for the many, many blessings that you've given us, Lord. Some of them are material. Some of them are ideological. Um, some of them are worldview things, God. But we want to thank you, God, for the men and women who have given their lives in service of this country. Um, there have been many wars fought for the price of freedom and there have been many young men and young women who have given the most that they can give, which is their lives, uh, for the freedom that we so enjoy. And so we just take a minute this morning, God, and we give you thanks for that. We give you thanks for those men and women. We ask that you would bless their families that they have left behind. And I also want to thank you because when we talk about freedom, we also know there's another kind of freedom. There's a spiritual freedom that is found only in, in Christ. And so we also pause this morning, and God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who, God, you know all about giving <clears throat> a great sacrifice. And, uh, and so we pray in thanksgiving to you as well on this Memorial Day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for our country. God, we pray for its future. We pray for a return to truth uh, in our culture, God. We pray for a return to worship um, so that we as a culture may continue to enjoy your blessing, your favor, and your freedom that you have lavished us with. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy your Memorial Day. Do me a favor. Uh, inside of your bulletin is a handout, and uh, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off in John chapter 7. Okay, so you notice we're skipping a chapter, but we're taking the summer. We're going through the Gospel of John. There's a handout in your bulletin. You can follow along with me there. Um, 
One of the things that I like to think about from time to time, and, and you're going to know this to be true as I mention this, if you've ever watched the show Winnie the Pooh, um, you'll know that every family has certain members of their family that take on the characteristics of the characters in Winnie the Pooh, right? Uh, there's somebody in your family uh, that's like Winnie the Pooh himself, like he's e they're easygoing and everything always seems to work out, right? You, you already know who that family member is. There's, there's a family member in your family that's like Piglet, uh, always a little bit nervous, right? And always a follower of others, yet in the face of extreme danger, they suddenly get bold, right? And they seem to do the right thing. There's somebody in your family that's like Rabbit, right? Uh, the grumpy old guy, right? And, and they always, you know, they're always worried about all the rules. They think they're right about everything, even when they're not right. And, and there's somebody in your family that's like Tigger, right? And they're happy-go-lucky and, you know, bouncy, 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 Fun, fun. Nobody else knows that? Bouncy, 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 bouncy. Fun, 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 right? There's somebody in your family that's like that. Um, a couple years ago in my office, um, this ended up on my desk as a reflection of who I am out of Winnie the Pooh. Um, this is Eeyore, okay? And um, you, know, you know Eeyore, he's a little bit sarcastic. He's mostly pessimistic. And, uh, and so um, the one thing that I love about being a pessimist, for those of you who are pessimists, you know this is true. Okay, I'm a pessimist. Uh, I'm a little bit like Eeyore. And the great thing about being a pessimist is things always work out better than I expected, right? That's the good news. Like, wow, I didn't think today was going to be a good day, but it turned out okay, you know? And you kind of, you set your sights low, and you're, the problem with you optimists is, right? You're, you're a, your sights are so high, you've got no, nothing left but to be disappointed. That's how I look at it throughout the day. And, and when that ended up on my desk, I was like, you know, that's hitting a little too close to home, you know, personality-wise. There's a lot of truth in that about myself. And this morning, we're not going to talk about personality, but we're going to talk about when Jesus kind of hits close to home. Um, and we're going to, we, you know, we've kind of been making our way through this gospel, and there are times where Jesus is, and your belief in him, uh, is going to hit close to the relationships around you. And, and so my hope this morning is maybe if you're new at following Christ, or even if you've been following Christ for a while, that, that this will encourage you, because what's gonna, what you're going to see is a, is a clash of kingdoms this morning. It's the kingdom of God, there's a kingdom of evil, there's a, there's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness, there's a kingdom of belief and a kingdom of unbelief. And what you're going to find is this, this kind of rubs shoulders with real people in your lives. And there's times where Jesus is, is going to make relationships around you really uncomfortable and it's going to hit close to home for you, okay? So let's do this. I, I want to remind you kind of the big picture of the gospel of John, okay? So we're going to zoom, we're going to kind of stand Step back and then zoom in here in a minute, okay? So John chapter 20, remember, this is, this is the purpose of the gospel of John. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in his book. But these are written so that you may continue to what? What's that say, church? To believe, okay? That's how we came up with this series, because this is the purpose of this gospel, is for you to believe that Jesus, that's what it goes on to say, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you'll have life by the power of his name, okay? Many of you are here this morning, and you're worshiping corporately at Coastal Community Church, because that's where you, you're a believer that Jesus is the Son of God, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior.
Savior. He's the one that's reconciled, brought you back to have a relationship with the Father. So you know what it means to have life in the power of his name, okay? That's why you're here. Man, some of you are here this morning because you're investigating that. Like there's some, there's a spiritual warming in your heart maybe, and you're, and you're beginning to wonder like, what is this? And so as we've been journeying through this gospel together, your heart is warming to spiritual things, Okay. Then you'll remember the first week we did this series, we looked at John chapter 1, and, and we talked about John lays out that when Jesus sets foot on earth, there's, there's kind of this division of kingdoms. There's, there's light and darkness. There's belief and unbelief. In fact, John chapter 1 verse 10 reminds us that Jesus reveals the hearts of man. He says he came into the very world, John chapter 1 verse 10, he came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and guess what? Even his own people rejected him. And so there's kind of this division. Jesus doesn't always bring peace. He doesn't always bring unity. There is a division that's going on, okay? So that's kind of the big picture framework of the Gospel of John. Now, we're looking at John chapter 7, verse 1. I didn't cover John chapter 6 because I preached on that earlier in the spring, okay? Maybe you remember uh, we, during our Tough Truth series, we just pulled that out as a tough teaching of Jesus. Because if you remember, he said, if you really believe in me, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I kind of titled that sermon. He said, what? You know, and so, you know, it's kind of this crazy ser- uh, teaching of Jesus, but we hopefully made some sense. And so, so if you missed that, let me encourage you. I got some CDs out at the Connect Center. It's that sermon is posted on Facebook and on our website. You can catch up with that. Okay. So that's John chapter five. Last week's what we looked at. John chapter six is this teaching of Jesus. Okay. Where he says these hard things to understand. And so in, if you remember in John chapter six, it was the peak of Jesus's popularity. The crowds were building. You know, he was getting really, really popular among the people. And then he does this hard teaching, you know, about what it really means to believe in him. And he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you really want to believe in me. And hopefully I've piqued your interest now to go listen to that sermon, okay? And so, and so he teaches that. And then in, the, in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, his teaching was so hard to understand that some of the disciples even left. And so his popularity is now on a kind of a downward trend. He's not as popular. People are leaving his ministry, okay? And so that is where we pick up in John chapter 7. So his ministry is starting to lose popularity. And in, in John chapter 7, it's kind of this, there's 10 little verses that are kind of sandwiched between this hard teaching in John 6 and this festival that's coming up called the Festival of the Shelters. And it's kind of this Jewish festival where everybody comes out. And so it's in that context where Jesus's brothers say, listen, would you do us a favor and go make us all famous again? Okay. That's kind of what they say. Like we, you know, we really liked it when you were popular. And now we don't like it so much. Like, you're not famous anymore, right? John chapter 7, verse 1 says, After this, Jesus traveled around what city, guys? What town? What's it say? Galilee, right? He's traveling around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. And that's kind of where we left off in John chapter 6, okay? That because he taught these things, that he was the Messiah, that he was son of God, he's, he's dividing belief and unbelief, that people are trying to kill him. So he kind of, he, he localizes his ministry to Galilee. But soon, verse 2. Uh, but soon uh, it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your what, church? Your miracles. Like, go do that cool stuff you were doing before, right? 
you can't become famous if you hide like this. Uh, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world, okay? So what they're talking about is John chapter 2. Remember the wedding of Cana? Jesus started off his ministry by turning water into wine. And, and his brothers are going, Jesus, those were the good old days. I mean, go do that stuff again. And then in John chapter 4, there was the healing of the official son, and his popularity is growing. And then John chapter 5 is the healing of the lame guy, and his popularity is growing. And then in John chapter 6 is the very famous story of the feeding of the 5,000, right, where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. Actually, the text says 5,000 men, which means if you found in women and children, there was probably 10 or 15,000 people that Jesus fed. It was a great miracle. And so his popularity is building. And, and his brothers, they, his siblings, they miss the fame that Jesus brings. By the way, famous people, um, like, did you ever meet somebody famous? All right, some of you probably have. Like, you met somebody famous. Like, when you meet somebody famous, you you, you can't keep that in, right? And, and what's neat is if you go to a dinner party and you get around people and you start one-upping each other, right? Like, oh, yeah, oh, you met so oh, guess who I met, right? Now, I remember when I was in, in seminary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one-up you here. Okay, so I remember when I was in seminary, um, I had a great opportunity to be a, a, a hospital chaplain in Orlando, in Orlando Hospital. And I remember I was walking out, and there was this large guy way down the hallway. And I was like, that's got to be a professional athlete, right? So, so I go hustling down the hall to try to meet him and see who it is. And, and I, I get down to the end of the hall, and they were gone. And so I turned to go into the parking garage, and I was kind of in a hurry. So I pushed the door open, and I quickly, and literally, I almost physically ran into Shaquille O'Neal. How cool is that, right? And, and it was, what, the story, what I figured out was that his girlfriend had just had his baby in Orlando, and so he was visiting his new baby, but he had, and some of you all remember this, he played for the Orlando Magic, and he had just signed with the L.A. Lakers, and so he wasn't very popular in Orlando at the time, and so I literally, I run into him, and he's looking down at me, and I'm staring kind of at his navel, and, um, and so <laughs> I said, hey, man, I just wanted to wish you the best in Los Angeles, isn't that cool? All right, like that was our conversation, right? Just me and Shaq, we're tight, you know? And so, and so Jesus is famous, right? And the brothers, they enjoy, I just wanted to share that story. It has no point to the sermon, okay? And uh, no, but when you meet somebody famous, I mean, fame kind of opens doors, does it not? Uh, this morning, on, I always get my uh, national news from MSN, you know, and one of the lead stories was talking about how some, uh, some very famous Hollywood stars, they don't, they don't even shower with, with tap water, you know, and, and the, the title was, They Don't Live Like Us, you know, and, and so, you know, fame kind of does things for people, and the brothers of Jesus, they, they enjoyed what fame brought to them, okay? They, you know, oh, gee, yeah, Jesus, guess what? We're his sibling, all right? We're his you're, you're making spiritual implications. I haven't gotten there yet, Marty. So you're jumping ahead, right? And so the brother's like, he, you know, he, he kind of opened some doors for us, all right? And they were enjoying the fame. But what's really going on here is they liked what Jesus brought, but they didn't like who he was and who he, what he was teaching, actually. And so, and so there's this division in his own family. What's really happening here, and John brings this clear to us in the next verse, that there's actually a family rejection going on. There's, this is a, a division. Jesus is dividing even his own family, and the division is between belief and unbelief. In fact, verse 5 of John chapter 7, 
It says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. What do you mean they didn't believe in him? They just told him to go do miracles. Now, some of the commentators I read said maybe they were making fun of him. All that, to say, it's very possible. Either way, they didn't believe in Jesus. And one of the things I've been teaching you over the course of this series, we have to believe the Jesus of the Bible. Notice I said the Jesus, because there's a lot of Jesuses out there. People make Jesus to be the Jesus they want him to be, but the Jesus of the gospel is the Son of God. He, he's the Messiah. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a Jesus that makes everything easier for you. He's the Jesus that reconciles us to God the Father. He's the Jesus that restores things spiritually and adopts us into the family, as Marty was implying with his amen. He, he's the Jesus that makes things spiritually right for us. But what happens is, in church, this is really true because we live in a culture that is painted a Jesus that says, listen, if you come to know Jesus, man, you're going to be rich and famous and healthy and wealthy. And da, 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 da. There's no promise of that. The Jesus of the gospel, by the way, he does promise that for heaven, okay? And sometimes we import heaven into now. It's what I like to call the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Is the kingdom come now? Yes. Has it fully come now? No. So does God sometimes heal you now? Sometimes, but not always. Because he's doing other things right now. He's, he's glorifying himself ultimately, okay? Several years ago, there was a Matt Marr song came out. If you've never heard of him, he, he uh, sang a song called Hold Us Together. And uh, I always loved the opening line of this song. And the, and the opening line of the song was, the idea was that love would hold us together. But here's the opening chorus of the song. He says, speaking of love, it says, It don't have a job, and it don't pay the bills. And it won't buy you a home in Beverly Hills. It won't fix your life in five easy steps. And it ain't the law of the land or the government, but it's all you need. And then he goes on to sing the chorus. Now, I always like the beginning of the line of that song, but in my mind, I always transfer those lines to Jesus. I want you to think about that for a minute, because a lot of times we think Jesus is going to make all our felt needs go away. Think about this. Jesus don't guarantee a job. Jesus don't guarantee to pay all your bills, and he definitely doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a bigger house. It doesn't guarantee he's going to fix your life in five easy steps, and he certainly ain't the law of the land or the government. But the question is, is he really all that you need? Are you going to cling to Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the gospel, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who divides light into darkness, the one who is the kingdom of good and the kingdom of evil? Are you going to believe in that Jesus? Are you really going to say, he really, really is all I need, even if life is not safe, soft, easy, and comfortable? Because the brothers of Jesus, when the miracles stopped and the ministry got localized to Galilee, they were really uncomfortable with that Jesus. And just go make us famous again. And what Jesus was revealing in their hearts was really unbelief. Rather than, are you really willing to follow me and worship me no matter what the circumstances of life may bring? Now, what's interesting here is Jesus begins to reveal the difference between their plans and the plans of his heavenly father. Jesus begins to reveal the difference between their plans and the plans of his heavenly father. Check this out in John chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus replied, Now is the right time, 
now is the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Now is not the right time for me to go. You can go anytime. The world can hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to the festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Now, in a lot of your Bibles right there, there's a, a subject heading break, okay, which I find very interesting. You know, those are kind of man-made. In fact, even your Bible verses were placed by man. The scriptures are written just in paragraphs, okay? And I like to look, add verse 10 here because I think verse 10 is really interesting to, the, to this whole story, right? After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though he went secretly staying out of public view, See, it's interesting to see here that Jesus has a whole different perspective than the brothers. Jesus, it's not just about my fame. It's about God's will and God's timing for his will to be revealed in my life. I want you to hear that again. Jesus is not just about being famous for fame's sake. He's about making sure that his life is lined up with God's will and God's timing for God's will in his life. He says, my time has not yet come. I'm gonna, God is going to use my life, and it's, he determines. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's resting in a strong view of the sovereignty of God. I want you to hear that. He's resting in a strong view of the sovereignty of God. Now, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that you believe that Jesus is going to use your life to make God famous. And we sometimes have to rest that God is going to use my life in a timing that's different than I might have imagined, right? Sometimes there's dreams and things in our hearts and we're wondering like, man, God, why hasn't this happened? Why hasn't this happened yet? Where, you know, and I always say, you know, God, does, God works on a calendar, okay? And God is about revealing his glory in his timing through our lives, and sometimes we get really impatient with the sovereignty of God. And God's got a bigger view of your life, and he knows when he can best accomplish revealing his glory through your life in his timing, and Jesus was willing to wait for that. The brothers were not. The brothers wanted what they wanted right now. There's a ton of ways I could apply this, okay? A ton of ways I could apply this waiting on the, so the timing and the sovereignty of God. In our culture, we, we live in a culture when we talk about sex and dating, right? Sex and dating. It says if you're dating someone, you love them, they love you. It's natural to have sex outside the bonds of marriage. It's just natural. The Bible says, no, that's not holiness. That's not righteousness. Sex and dating is something that should be reserved for the bonds of marriage. The question is, are you going to trust the sovereignty of God that his way really is the best way? I can talk about money, right? And, and by the way, this is where belief and unbelief, this is where Jesus divides things, right? The Bible tells us we're to be generous. I always say the starting point of being generous is to give a tenth, a tithe. That's just a starting point to being generous with your finances, right? And you're going to run around with people and say, what are you talking? You, you donate a tenth of your income? Like that, that doesn't even make sense, right? How, how are you going to live like that? And, and I would push back and say, there, this is where I trust the sovereignty and the timing of God. And we could go on and on and on. By the way, if you're here this morning, and I hear this a lot, especially when it comes to the call of ministry, I actually was going to illustrate this point this morning with the story of Joseph, but I decided not to go all the way through it because of time. The story of Joseph is this great story where Joseph has a calling on his life, 
And every time he thinks the calling's about to be fulfilled, the rug gets pulled out from under him, right? If you know his story, like he, he gets sold into slavery, and then he, he rises up in Potiphar's house, and then he, he gets a lie told about him, and the rug's pulled out, and he ends up in jail, and then he rises up in jail, and then he thinks he's about to get promoted, and then the rug gets pulled out. And finally, you know, through the complete hand of the sovereignty of God, he ends up in second in charge of the most powerful country on earth. And this dream that he had all the way when he was a kid is fulfilled much later in life. I say that when I call of ministry. Call of ministry is all about the timing of God. It's not just a call. It's a timing thing and God's sovereignty. And so his brothers, there's two plans going on here. There's the plans of the brother, but there's really the plans of God's, of our heavenly father, who Jesus says, I'm going to trust in the timing of my heavenly father. Now, I want to bring, us, bring this home to my final point here this morning. And that's this. That this is, there's a, there is, and this is a little bit shocking of a statement. Okay, but there is a division that Jesus Christ brings. There is actually a division that Jesus Christ brings. Now, I, this is a tough point to swallow, but my hope here this morning, there's some of you in this room, this will actually encourage as you've been following hard after Christ. Because there's some of you here this morning, as you've been following hard after Christ, you thought everything was going to be peaceful and everything was going to be great and all your felt needs were going to be met and all that was going to go on. And, but there, as you've been pursuing Christ, there, there has been some... Re- Family relationships that have been difficult, okay? Now, I, I, um, I, I skipped over uh, some of, the, of what happened at the, at the um, Feast of the Shelters, okay? So you're going to have to just kind of bear with me, okay? Because I'm going to briefly touch on what Jesus taught there, but then we're going to see the result, okay? And the result is division. The result is the separation of belief and unbelief. But some of you in this room, you're following after Jesus Christ, and there is a literal division in your family. Those closest to home to you. They look at you and you go, you're you're what? That's that's really strange. What? That's weird. I want you to see this. In Mark chapter 3, when Jesus, in the gospel of Mark, where Jesus' ministry just started, I want you to see this. Mark chapter 3, verse 20, it says, One time, Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. Verse 21, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, and here's what they said. He's out of his mind. Okay, this is the very family of Jesus. He grew up under the roof with these siblings, and and even his mother is a part of this, by the way. And by the way, there's a lot of times... There's, there's some uh, religions that place a high honor on Mary, and we should. Mary was a great mom, and, and Luke 1 and 2, and Matthew 1 and 2, maybe we get some great insight in the life of Mary. But, you know, even she got confused about the life of her son sometimes. This is one of those spots. She's out there, and in the very next verse, in Mark chapter 3, verse 22, is where Jesus gets uh, accused of blasphemy. And we looked at that back in the spring. Okay, he gets accused of blasphemy. And so the, the, the mom and the brothers are like, he's, he's lost his, we, we need to get him home before he hurts himself and hurts others, okay? And so we skip down in Mark chapter 3, I think I put Mark 20 on your handout, we adjusted that, good. Okay, Mark chapter 3 verse 31 says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him and they stood outside and they sent word for him to come out and talk to them. And there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who is my brothers? Then they looked at those around him and said, 
These, look at these. These are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. What is he saying? Church, look around you. One of the terms we use in church life is the term brother or sister. Why is that? Because the Bible teaches there is a spiritual family that is closer sometimes than even a physical family. Okay, so I want to encourage some of you because there's some of you in this room as you're following Christ, you have some family members that have disowned you. Listen, this is not anything new. It happened to Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel of John said he came to separate what? Light into darkness. Kingdom of life. Kingdom of death. Kingdom of good. Kingdom of evil. Kingdom of belief and kingdom of unbelief. And then he knits together those who are believers, a church. That's why I often address you all as a church. By the way, the, church, the word church means those who are called out, that believe in Christ. And we, we gather together, our hearts are united in our pursuit and belief of Christ. And the Bible says, this is your family sometimes. These are the ones that spiritually get it. Luke chapter 12, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. You ever heard that before? No, from now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now, what's he saying here? Is that always going to happen? No, I'm incredibly blessed in my family, both sides of my family, wife's side, my side family of believers. Okay, so the really cool thing is not only are we knitted together as family, we're knitted together spiritually, and it's an awesome thing. And so, of course, Jesus and the church promotes believing families, but there are times that your loyalty has to rest with Jesus Christ, and this brings it really close to home for some of you in this room. And I want to encourage you, Jesus was aware of this. Jesus even taught there are some times you're going to have to look at your blood relatives and go, you know what, I'm, I'm doing something, I'm, I'm pursuing Christ. You know, I've, I've talked to believers from in the Middle East, like Afghanistan. You know, we're in Afghanistan where there may be a city of a couple million and there's a church of less than a hundred type thing. And those believers are kicked out of their families completely. Don't talk to them. We'd kill them if they could. You know, that, that's the kind of thing Jesus told me. He's talking about a worldview and a belief that says, I'm all in in my pursuit of Christ. And some of you in this room, you know that. And hopefully this encourages you, like, oh, Jesus expected that. And I'm going to pursue him anyway. Then there's this huge division at the Festival of Shelters. Okay, so let me, I'm just going to read you the back end of this passage of Scripture because it's really neat. It's really, really neat, this back end. So Jesus goes, finally goes to the Festival of Shelters. Okay, this, this festival goes on for about a week. As the week progresses, he does some teaching. The high point of his teaching is in verse 37 and 38, which you can read on your own. But basically, he says, if you're thirsty, come to me, and I'll give you something to drink. It's a similar repeat of John chapter 4. Okay? And so he teaches that again. And the division at this festival is incredible. So I want you to just see this. John chapter 7, verse 40. When the crowds heard him say this, Some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. And others said, he's the Messiah. And still others said, he can't be. Will the Messiah come from what city, church? Galilee. That's where, remember recently, that's kind of where he's restricted his ministry. For the scriptures clearly teach that the Messiah will be born of a royal line of David in what city? 
what does this show? What's this show? Ignorance. It shows ignorance. A lot of people make ignorant statements about Christ because they haven't done their homework. And so Jesus here is being accused. He's from Galilee. No, we know no prophets come from Galilee. And what they didn't understand is, yes, he was born in Bethlehem. And with a little due diligence, they would have understand the Jesus as taught to us by the scriptures. All right? You know, the village where King David was born. And so the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. And when the temple guards returned, without arresting Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And here was their response. Well, because we have never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. Now the Pharisees began to mock. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees that believe in him? See, here it is. It's a crowd, and it's being divided in belief and unbelief. And the Pharisees are kind of having this group thing. They're like, look, no, none of us Pharisees believe this stuff. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, there's something spiritual going on here. It's John chapter 3 stuff called born again, right? Um, how many of y'all remember a guy by the name of Nicodemus? Anybody ever heard that name before? Nicodemus came up in John chapter 3. I didn't teach on John chapter 3 because I taught on a couple years ago. Okay, John chapter 3 verse 1 says this. So there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. All right? And if you can know the rest of the story, he sneaks to Jesus at night because he's interested in his teaching. And he, at the time, he's not a believer. And Jesus says, to, to, to understand what I'm doing, you got to be born again. There's a spiritual rebirth. And so these, here in John chapter 7, these Pharisees are mocking, right? He says, none of us Pharisees believe this. They said, this foolish crowd follows him, but, but they're ignorant of the law of God. They're ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Uh-oh. Then Nicodemus the leader who had met with Jesus earlier spoke up. Um, is it legal to convict a man before he's been given a hearing, he asked. And they replied, you're a Galilean too. Search the scriptures for yourself and see for yourself. No prophet comes from Galilee. What's going on? There's a belief and unbelief even going on among the Pharisees. And by the way, in John chapter 19, when Jesus dies on the cross, guess who shows up in the face of opposition to help bury him? Anybody know? Nicodemus right? Because this thing, this thing that Jesus is dividing people into belief and unbelief. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, there are going to be some close to home relationships sometimes that just don't get it because of what Jesus is doing. And maybe you're here this morning, you're counting the cost because you realize, you know what, if I do this thing, if I follow Christ, there's some relationships I got to kind of leave behind. It's a belief and unbelief thing. I am. Um, I I hate going to a restaurant with people that eat healthy. You ever go out to eat with those kind of people? Like, and the reason is is their choices immediately convict me, right? And um, and so we go out and they've got their menu. I got my menu, and the waiter or waitress comes up and and they're like, um, "What do you want to order?" I'll take uh, let's see, I'll take the cheeseburger. Uh, hold the lettuce and tomato. Uh, can you throw some bacon on that? And uh, I'll take the fries. Throw some cheese and bacon on that as well. Okay, you have to do that. And then, you know, I'm done ordering. And the lady's like, oh, sir, you get, a, you get a vegetable with that. Oh, I get a vegetable with that? Yeah. Can I substitute the vegetable? Yeah, you can substitute. Just make it a double order of fries. Let's just do that, right? And, 
And so then the person across from you is really fit, you know, and, and they get theirs, and they're like, I'll take um, the salad, and you can hold the meat and the cheese, and just put the light dressing on the side, right? And at that moment, I just feel this horrible conviction, right, come over me. And I look up at the waiter or waitress and say, I'll tell you what, um, can you take the lettuce and just put that on the side? I may eat a couple <laughs> bites of lettuce, right? And, and so their behavior is like this dividing line for me, right? And in similar fashion, okay, in a very similar fashion, what, what happens with Christ is there's a clash of worldviews. There's a clash of belief and unbelief. There's a, there's a clash of light and darkness. There's a clash of kingdoms. And there's a clash of the heart of man. And the heart of man is revealed. And as, as the heart of man is revealed to be sinful, there's some in the room that go, wow, I, yeah, that's my heart. And I better bow a knee in humility and confession and trust Christ as Savior. And there's some in the room that go, that's ridiculous. And I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. And Jesus, sometimes he divides right down the middle. And I, wouldn't, I want to finish with this this morning, church. There are times when Jesus is the most uncomfortable person to have ever walked the planet. Because he, can, he does not leave you where you are. He divides in light and darkness. He divides belief and unbelief. And sometimes, if you're following hard after him, it is going to affect the relationships of those who are closest to home. And I want to encourage you, believer, that that does happen. Now, I want to finish with this and we'll close with prayer. How did Jesus teach us to treat those who disagree with us? May I remember? We're to die to ourselves and love unconditionally. Does that make sense? We're to die to ourselves and love unconditionally. And the only way you can do that is if you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20. Jesus came and we want to believe that he's the Messiah. And those who believe will walk in the power of his name. I want to encourage you this week to walk in the power of his name, to love God and love others unconditionally. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this, your church. I look out here and I see so many folks that I know are pursuing hard after you. I know there's some in this room that as they pursue hard after you, there's some challenges with the relationships closest to home. I pray that you would grant them wisdom and love and the spirit to love unconditionally. Thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who even faced ridicule from his own family. Even those closest to him didn't always understand what he was doing and what he was about. And it's because their hearts were revealed, God. I want to pray for the heart in this room that as we've been talking about Jesus, the darkness of their heart is being revealed and they have a choice to make. I can, I can bow a knee to my Savior or I can, can, can continue to pursue darkness. I pray that the, by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, God, you would continue to break their heart, draw them to yourself. Nicodemus is such a, a great picture of the process of this. 
came with questions, and he left the believer. God, continue to draw us closer to you. We desperately need you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. I want you to know we are not after your money. Uh, this offering is just one of the ways we worship God at Coastal Community Church. If you'd like to join us in that, you're certainly welcome to, uh, but don't feel an obligation to give. If you're a guest this morning, I'd love to have one thing from you. On the side of that um, uh, bulletin is a tear-off. Uh, if you just fill it out, we want to send you a thank you card for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. If you're here this morning and, and uh, you have, uh, you have a, a spiritual need, you'd like to talk to someone or pray with someone before you leave here this morning, we have some... Uh, prayer ministry leaders. They usually sit in the front row. They have purple shirts. And man, they would love to minister to you uh, in any way with some prayer and some conversation. All right, Joey. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing.